Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your featured host, Shah McCain, a forensics counselor, psychic, writer, artist, modern day Christian mystic, and UFO experiencer. Shah introduced guests who are experts on all aspects of the paranormal and the sacred. The Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show has been featured on Blog Talk Radio as Staff Pick. And now for your host, Shaw McCain. Hey everybody, this is Shaw McCain of Blog Talk Radio. I'd like to welcome listeners to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show. My show is created to provide an open-minded platform that welcomes the gifted and extraordinary thinkers from every walk of life and circumstance. Please follow me on Facebook for upcoming events and special speakers from around the world. The call-in number tonight is 619-924-9744. And the Paranormal and Sacred airs most Friday nights and other nights too, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. During this show, I can take questions in order and chat, and you may call in with your questions and speak with our special guest tonight. Any buzz killers and chatter on the phone, you know what I'm going to do to you. I'm going to kick you out, so and I have your number, so I'll call you back. Anyway. Don't bug me, and I won't bug you, so be polite and play nice tonight. I have a few announcements before we welcome our special guest on tonight. Ryan Sprague is a good friend of mine, and he's into the paranormal, and he now has his own show, and he's actually moved to California. And uh, he has joined his show with a place called P-A-T-R-E-O-N, Patreon Campaign. And he'd like to thank all his uh, new patrons, and he'd ask you for your support, and it means the world to him. And he uh, has a show called Somewhere in the Skies, and he's making that a full-time job. So we appreciate your patronage, and uh, he's he's offering many rewards. And the address is www.patreon.com slash somewhere in the skies. I love that guy. He's a very uh, awesome dude and very well-written, and he's written plays and everything else, and we're glad to have him in California. And I have another friend, uh, her name is Deb Suter. I love this girl, but she's suffering from uh, MS, and she's doing a GoFundMe page that uh, is going to help fund her campaign and visit to Russia for special stem stem cell uh, treatment that they don't have here yet. So uh, please go to www.gofundme.com slash Deb dash suitor s-u-d-e-r dash russian dash h-s-c-t dash fund and you can go to go go fund me page and put her name in deb suitor also and that'll work and also for you alien abductees and uh, contactees and post-traumatic stress people please go to yvonne smith for help and she has zero uh the is close encounters research organization international her direct line is 818 Three eight three six nine zero three. She's an awesome gal, and she does uh, hypnotic therapy and has uh, great support groups and everything else. And you can reach her at Yvonne for PTSD at gmail dot com, and also go to Ciro International, www.cerointernational.com. And I have another good friend, Marilyn Salas, and you know her her husband was Captain Robert Salas of the uh, Montana Missile Range fame. Anyway, she is an awesome empathetic healer, and she has a bunch of essential oils that are so wonderful and delicious and actually soothing. 
and healing. Anyway, you can go to her at Marilyn Salas, M-A-R-I-L-Y-N-S-A-L-A-S at gmail.com, and you can write her snail mail, P.O. Box 1075, Ojai, California, 93024. And she does have a website, www.loveblessing.com. So please keep in mind also our good friend Johnny Elias in the prayers. He's having some very extreme medical issues, and I ask for your prayers because uh, we are really terrified and scared for him, and um, he will be going into surgery, and uh, he has been sick in the past, and uh, we are we just cry over this, and we also praying over this. And very shortly, I'll be welcoming uh, tonight's guest, who is Brendan Shea. Now, i got to tell you something about Brendan. Brendan has been actively investigating the paranormal for the last 10 years. Since childhood, he has experienced things that he could not explain, and this led to a fascination of the supernatural at a very young age. In 2006, he formed a paranormal team before being asked to join the Central Ohio Ghost Squad, and there he became tech manager and host of the team's radio show, which broadcasted for two years. He then helped form the United Paranormal Project before leaving in 2010 to tour with his band. Oh, I've got to hear more about that band. Anyway, he later joined a well-known team called Crossover Paranormal. He later rejoined his old, his old team, UPP, where he recently left in 2016. Brenda was visited and investigated, has visited and investigated many famously re- and renowned haunted locations, including the Waverly Hills Sanatorium, Bob Mackey's Music World, and most recently the Penhurst Asylum. I have posted pictures of all that so you can get a look at it. And then Brendan has investigated dozens of private resident cases in an attempt to disprove the first claim of paranormal activity. And then when he finds out it's true, then he tells us about that too. And then Brendan, along with his beautiful wife and two kids, currently reside in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. And then you can catch uh, Brendan on Dark of the Night on Spreaker.com. And I think I see him here right now, and I'd like to have Brendan on. Brendan? Hello. Hello. Welcome to the Paranormal and Sacred. How are you this evening? Good. How are you? I appreciate you having me on. Well, we're very much looking forward to this, and everything's well here in L.A., and I hope everything's going good in Ohio. You know, we have all these disasters going on all over the world right now, Just kind of scary. Yeah, it's been uh, it's it's been pretty nice here in Ohio. We've been We've been fortunate. We didn't even get any of those hurricane winds that were supposed to come up this way too so i mean it's it's been pretty pretty nice here can't complain that's what i was was thinking i was worrying about uh, what was going on over there so and if we'd actually have uh, airtime here and uh because somebody canceled with me last week because they're they're stuck in uh the winds over there and i guess louisiana got some of this or georgia too so anyway so uh, what I'm interested in is how this all started because uh, you're saying that your interest in the paranormal started at a young age. Uh, can you tell us something about that? Yeah, when I was uh, a young child, I used to, I guess, see things as every you know young kid might. But I, uh, I remember vividly my first paranormal experience, and I was in my apartment in Staten Island, New York, with my parents, and. Uh, You'll have to excuse the noise because time got away from me, and I'm actually trying to get out of the store. But uh, Don't worry. <laughs> Don't I, worry. I, um, 
I've seen this shadow on the wall. And uh, I couldn't explain what it was. And it was a little kid sitting on an old man's lap. And I could see their uh, feet tapping in time together. And it just always stuck out to me in my mind. Like, what, what is that? And the older I got and the more that I got involved in the paranormal field, I, like, tried to go back in my mind and kind of uh, relive that experience, I guess, so to say, as from an investigator standpoint. And, um, you know, kind of analyze it in a way that I can understand it. And still to this day, I can't explain what it was I've seen. So that kind of really spurred me into uh, getting involved into the investigation side of, you know, trying to figure out what this stuff is. Yeah. Um, now, how old were you when this happened? I would say it was probably around five because we uh, moved to Ohio from New York when I was around six and a half, going on seven. So, you know, I was I was a young kid. And, you know, I, I for some reason, have a, like a photographic memory, I guess. And I remember that apartment like vividly, you know. There's like my daughter, she's 10 now and there's stuff that I'll tell her like, Hey, remember when you were five, we went and did this. And she's like, no, she has no recollection of it. But for me, I can remember like really early, early childhood memories, stuff that, you know, sometimes I think, was that a dream or did that really happen? And then, you know, later on through relatives, like, Oh yeah, we did that when you were younger, you know? So it's like a confirmed thing, but yeah, yeah, uh, I just, I couldn't explain it. Well, did uh, do you have siblings? Oh uh, yeah, I'm actually the oldest of twelve. So. Okay. Oh wow. Okay, so did anybody else talk about this? About they saw anything, or did you guys talk about it among yourself? You know what? Like in my family, my especially my mother's side of the family, there is a lot of. Uh, I don't want to say like they're sensitive people who are sensitive but i have an uncle who uh kind of is clairvoyant too and he yeah uh had a lot of stuff happen to him as a child and still to this day he's going on 60 years old or he's he's over 60 and he still has stuff happen to him all the time and uh my other i have another aunt and she's seen stuff her whole life too and she has some sensitive abilities too but as far as like my siblings go no one's ever really you know talked about any kind of having any kind of thing like that or even experiencing anything other than, you know, stuff that they've experienced as adults, but like nothing like I had. And, you know, they're pretty open about that stuff knowing that I, you know, I do this kind of stuff. So it's yeah, it's not like it's a secret. Yeah. Me and my, I have uh, three sisters and I remember the, I'm the oldest of all these girls. But anyway, um, that we actually saw something too. We saw a shadow on the wall, but we named it. We called him uh, Mr. DJ. You know, for that's for Mr. DJ. Gone. So we, yeah, and we were scared of him, but we saw him a lot. And he had the hat, the black coat, the whole thing, but it was more like a shadow person. Yeah. So we like like a shadow man. It. Yes, we actually talked about it. That's why I was wondering if you guys saw anything together because we actually would see him. And I, I would go, we. We'd ask, okay, do you see, you know, where we actually would lay in bed and talk about it at night? Actually, have well, you know, to get more in depth of like, you know, I guess in in a sense, like we all did experience something 
together, but as individuals had experiences too. And that's another thing that propelled me into actually starting to take a role actively investigating the paranormal field. In 2003, our mother passed away. She died suddenly in our, in our family home. And thank you. And a bunch of my siblings were there and seen it happen. And she had this special thing with every single one of us like she had a and it's weird to kind of say because you know I'm I'm a father of uh, one daughter and I have a stepdaughter too but um she had a you know you love your kid you have a special relationship with your child but she had a special relationship with each one of us and it was weird like she loved us all you know the same you don't love one kid better than the next kid but it was weird because the relationship she had with me wasn't it was different when she was with my, my brother, George, it was a different kind of, you know, they would do different things. And, and it was weird to hear everybody's take on how, you know, she was, she treated each, each individual person. Like she, she tailored whatever it was to that personality. Like she just, she, you know, she's a mother, of course, you know, that's something I'll never understand. But when she died, I had an experience that I know was her. You know, and then I would hear certain stories from like some of my sisters, like she would come and leave like a little symbol or a little sign or my sister had this thing with uh, <clears throat> with like clovers with my mother. And every time something good happened in her life, she would find a four leaf clover. You know what I mean? And that was like a put two and two together with like a symbolism with my mother or whatever. And, you know, it, it's it was weird, weird things like that still happen to this day. And it's been. 14 years but it's you know it's it's weird well i think it's because uh they never really leave us and i think uh we're going to understand more of that as science has now said you know things don't just disappear you know they change and uh scientifically proving that there is a life after death you know and we've come very close to that and have proved some of it so i really think they're still with us and that love never goes Oh, yeah. And, and I definitely 100% agree. And being the older I get, and the more that I investigate this stuff, you know, it, it, I don't want to sound like arrogant or whatever, but I think that it, it's it's summed up in two categories. There's ghost hunters, like thrill seekers who just go out and want to do it to get the scare, to get the thrill or to go to a place, you know what I mean? Because they've never been there before. And it's another thing to actually investigate. And I think part of the whole investigation side and research side is is doing your homework in you know the scientific background, understanding how science works, how how quantum physics or you know the quantum theories and that kind of stuff works, and, and getting a bit of an understanding of dimensional you know stuff that that science is looking into even now, you know, and physics and and yeah, how everything in tandem works like to function in, in, in the world, like the earth vibrates on a certain frequency that, you know, works on vibration. And I think that there's, that has a lot to do with what is the afterlife. When you cross over that energy crosses over, it crosses over. And this is all theory. And this is all my, you know, what, what I've taken so far from what I've seen. I think that when you cross over, you hit that certain frequency that as a living entity, we can't see that vibration, but that's what I think that everything works off of is a different frequency, a different vibration. And that goes back to what you just said. Energy just doesn't 
disappear. It moves on. So it totally makes sense that, you know, you're a living, breathing person doing something. Every time you make some kind of movement, you're using vibration and everything else. And what's to say that, you know, that goes away. It doesn't, it can't go away. Isn't that extraordinary? Because this is happening in our lifetime that we're finding out through all these scientific discoveries. I think we're really lucky that that all this is happening now. It's very exciting to me. And I, I love the quantum physics thing. And uh, I know, I don't know math, you know, but uh, all of that, for some reason I have a knack for it. You know, and I think I've experienced several stuff like that, you know, that, uh, being two places at once or uh, picking up on something that's like remote viewing or something like that. And um, it sure is an interesting world. Yeah. I mean, and, and if you put like the whole paranormal realm all together with ghosts and everything else, you know, it, it all connects somehow. There's, there's some connection with everything. And, you know, whether you're into the whole ghost hunting side of it or you're into you know, studying UFOs or Bigfoot or anything like that. Like there, it's all connected somehow. And one of the things that I say that interests me the most about the whole paranormal aspect of every story that I've ever heard. I don't know if you're familiar with Skinwalker Ranch. And yeah, I'm, I'm I don't know sure much about it. it. Well, it has a, the the full repertoire of everything. It has UFOs. It has uh beings that cannot be explained like you know wolves and and wolves that can't be killed and then people see strange beings like people walking around like that they can't explain uh there was a couple who originally owned the ranch the skinwalker ranch and they would be walking the ranch at night and they would see like a big ring in the sky and they'd see blue through that ring like it looked like there was another sky beyond the dark night of the you know the sky and to me, that sounds like some kind of portal or something like that. And, and it's just, it makes sense. You know, it, it, it makes sense to me that it, it's got to be connected all somehow. Well, what do you think is going on there? Because I, I really don't know much information. I know people have visited it and said it was weird. But uh, have you gone over there at all? No, I, you know, I wish. And it's funny because I listen to this, this podcast every week and it's a, uh, it's a really great podcast. Like it's, it's a paranormal podcast, but it's, you know, two comedians do it. It's called the unbelievable podcast. And actually one of the hosts is, uh, he lives in LA too. His name is Brian Frangi, but, uh, they do like a, a comic take on, you know, the paranormal stuff, but they're serious about it. Cause they're, you know, they're big into conspiracy theories and everything like that. But, uh, they just did an episode on skinwalker ranch, which is, which is kind of funny, but, um, there's another podcast too that I listened to called Astonishing Legends. Um, I don't know if you've heard of them, but they did like a, a five part series on it, and it was so interesting. Like they took the actual, you know, scientific background to the whole story of the people who live there. And to me, everything that they describe is interdimensional. It's interdimensional, or it's like, you know, parallel universes crossing over into ours. And in my theory, Every time that I've been around something paranormal, there always seems to be a similar trait everywhere I go. You know what I mean? With as far as like yeah. the area, the whole area is weird. There's a place that I investigated for years called the Twin City Opera House in McConnellsville, Ohio. 
and the whole town is just has so many hauntings. Like I did a, a private residence investigation up the street from this opera house and the stuff that was going on there was just, I mean, the activity level was just crazy. And there's been two or three private residences I've done in that area. And it's the same thing. Like the activity is just, it's nuts. And I'm not one of them people that just jumps at every bump or every thing that I can't explain being a ghost. Like, no, I really try to debunk a lot of stuff. And I've just had so much crazy stuff happen in this one area that I just, I'm, I'm floored. And I don't know if that's just way lines there or just like something's not, vibrating the same as everywhere else you know what i'm trying to say so i think maybe yeah, that think, these these theories of portals and everything else really kind of make sense in a way because like you know it's it, it, i've always thought maybe you know maybe i'm going on this big tangent here but i've i've always found it odd that you know you, you hear about a house that's haunted right for example and people lived in this house and it was haunted when people lived there. And then that person dies. And then that person who lived in this haunted house comes back and haunts this house too. You know what I mean? Like why? Yeah. That's kind of a weird trait. You know, I mean, I'm sure you've heard that kind of stuff before too, but you know, it, I just kind of put two and two together with that kind of stuff. And like I said, sorry, I'm going on the tangent. I, I'm passionate about this stuff. So I just keep going and going and going. So if oh, you want oh, me to no. stop. No, 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 no. I'm interviewing you. You can talk all you want. And, I find it very fascinating because you're reminding me of something. Because do you ever do you always, do you feel like I do? I always feel like I'm finding another little piece to the puzzle. I don't know if you feel like that, but everything that I uh, research or adventure or personal experience, it seems like it's another piece to the puzzle. And what you said made so much sense to me because I live in a very odd town, and I live near. Uh, Famous, the famous Dow Chemical, Chemical Company. It's supposed to not be there anymore, but it still is. And then uh, there's a refinery near here, and it's a old city, I would think. It was in, from uh, the 1900s, and the place that I live in is from 1920. So a lot of workers live in these old houses around here. And except for the one house I live in here now, all of the houses have been haunted that I lived in here. All of them except this. Hello? Yeah, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. So you were saying that the whole town is like haunted. Yeah, I think it's weird because not only me, but let's say we'd be going down uh, this this main street right here. And uh, me and my friend, best friend, it's at different times, and her husband have actually seen it as an old road, like a dirt road lined by trees. And it's not like that. It's a it's a wide um, you know it's a it's a boulevard Crenshaw Boulevard, and um, I actually saw something on the back of a truck that I thought it was a new go oh, look what they did on the back of this truck it looks like a modern thing showing a film of old roads and all that they saw the same thing it's just odd and then so I, it was kind of it was kind of like a was it kind of like you looked into the past or whatever like a time yes, kind of thing yes. And then it happened to it happens to us when we're right on the road. It hasn't happened the last few months, but uh, we'd be right on the road, and it would turn into something else. We'd actually see it as something else, like it used to be. And not only happened to me; it happened to them too. So, so when we talked to each other, they, they she called me and she said we had experience, we experienced 
my husband and I were going down Crenshaw Boulevard, and all of a sudden we're on this old road. I said, was it lined by trees and all? She said, yes, and that's what I see, the same thing. We had uh, we investigated this place uh, last year. It was called Revenant Acres. It's in it's – in, uh, I forget the name of the town, but it's in this, this very small farming town in, in Indiana. And the house was like just like a two-bedroom house. It had upstairs, you know, with one bedroom upstairs and then like a big living room and then like an open kitchen. And there's no real – history of where the house came from like the people who own it now were like yeah we looked at the records and there was land nothing was on the land and all of a sudden two years goes by there's no record and the band their house shows up and the stories that come out of there nobody really knows but they think a, a farm family lived there for years and then it sat abandoned for a long time and they think squatters went in there and you know it was a drug house or whatever but the house is in the middle of nowhere there's farm fields all around it and we go to investigate, and they say there's, like, something demonic there. I don't know what it is, but the house, it's not right. There's something not not right there. So a, there's no running bathroom or water in the house, you know, so you can't use the bathroom. So a couple of the girls that were on our team took the car and went, like, five minutes down the road to a gas station. And it took them an hour to get back because the GPS kept turning them around. And they said they drove probably by the house about ten times and never seen it. And then oh all of a sudden they found it. I didn't know where the house just appeared. And it was just like, you know, and the whole time, like there was three of us still left in the house. We were waiting on them to come back. And, and it was all backed up by, you know, we had a camcorder rolling. I had a digital recorder rolling. And like I timestamped when they left because you hear them walking out the door like, hey, we're going to the bathroom. You hear them leave. And it's probably 10, 15 minutes on the recorder and they're back. But they were gone their phones were like messed up or whatever. Like the time on their car was messed up. They were gone over an hour, according to their clocks and their phones in their car. So to explain that, I had no idea, but I think it was another instance where I think it was the area. I don't, I don't know. I can't explain it. And like I said, I'm not one of them people that rationally would just be like, Oh yeah, that's paranormal. But you know, when you look at their phones or whatever, and the time on their car says this, and it's an hour difference. And then, you review the the evidence that you have and the camcorder says they were gone an hour and the digital voice recorder says they were gone 15 minutes. It's like, Oh, that's, that's weird, man. Seriously. It's an, it's an, it's an anomaly. I think it's real yeah. and it's an anomaly is what I think it is. Like there's a time shift in a little loop or, or a, a break or uh, I was at a meeting, uh, Cyril, I mentioned it before. And, uh, there was a few of us, and I had been discussing these time uh, warp things, but I noticed there's a shift in time that maybe two two different people are seeing two different things and experiencing a different time, and they're in the same place. So I had just said that, and it happened. It was a loop. And then two other people looked up when I actually was trying to tell them it's happening right now, and they looked up, and they, they felt it, too. It happened, like, three times. And I guess it was, like, confirmation that it's really happening. But you know what? It's hard to explain this to people that aren't experiencing it. It's very difficult. It is. And, you know, I I have just – I have so many theories on it. And, you know, it is hard to explain it to people. And I've never personally experienced a time warp. 
Uh, I've never experienced like doppelganger effects and, and that kind of stuff, but like I kind of can understand and kind of put two and two together with it just with it because it just makes sense. Like I said, some of the stuff I've seen in research, like these same things appear in the same areas that all these other things appear in. And it's just, that's been like the thing recently that's been really sparking my interest with this field. Like I have friends that own this building in, in uh, Madison, Ohio, it's called the Madison seminary. And one of the reports they have in this place is that they see doppelgangers of the owner, Adam Kimmel, and they see doppelgangers of one of my other friends, Jeff Fent, who's always up there. And they will see them walking down the hallway and they'll be like, hey, Jeff, hey, Adam. And they say they just keep walking down the hallway and ignore them. And I told them, I said, hey, do you guys ever think that maybe, you know, that you're seeing them when they were there, maybe the last time they were here and they're just going about their daily business like they were last time. And you're seeing like a, a time, some kind of time shift, like it's picking up, you know, it's like you're at the right place at the right time. Like, you know, the whole residual haunting idea. It's just playing that tape back of them because this the the energy in that place is just so off the chain that it's just you you, you just see the stuff every once in a while. I mean, it would make sense yeah. because you're saying you're calling out their name and they're not acknowledging you. They just keep going about their daily business and it's just like maybe they don't hear you or it's yeah, just they're not where you are. Their energy. Yeah. So you know, I don't. It's just one of them things you don't understand. I don't know, it's sure making me think, because I have had so many things happen. It still makes you wonder, but I have been with, let's say, I'm with my two grandsons. We were doing one thing, and the whole freaking world was doing something else, but they were with me on what we were doing. You know what I'm saying? We were at a library getting books. Everybody else thought something else was going on. It was so bizarre. Yeah, and like you said, it's hard to explain to people if they haven't experienced it or they just, you know, don't believe in it. And I guess that's just, you know, it's everybody's right and everybody's belief, but I honestly think that it, it's all connected somehow. It's got to be. Yeah, connected, like with the hauntings, is that uh, people are calling, you know, these haunting like residual. And uh so, if it's not residual and the the ghost is interacting with you, what do you call that? When a ghost is interacting with you? Yes. Oh, that's that's got to be some kind of intelligence. I mean, yeah. You, I've been on many investigations, and you know, you've asked for names, and people have responded to you. We actually uh, just got going over evidence now from the Monroe House in Indiana, in Harper City, Indiana, and uh, we were doing a live EVP session in the basement. And uh, we got an EVP on the playback. It said, who do you want us to give a message to somebody? And it was broke up the first part, but it was like something, something, Kathy. So we played it back and we heard it. So it's like, okay, we're getting communication. Let's keep going. Let's do another live EVP session. And the way that we set the, the voice recorder up only on voice activation. So it only records when it's picking up a voice. So then somebody, one of the girls asked, who's Kathy and what do you want us to tell her? And we get an EVP that directly says, ask Brendan. So then it's like, just clear as day. It says, ask Brendan. So I have, you know, I'm just like kind of blown away. Like, did that just really say ask Brendan? And 
I have no idea who Kathy is. I don't, you know, I don't know any Kathy's. I don't know anybody that I'm supposed to give a message to like that. I, you know, know none of the history of, or I know the history, but I, I know none of the, the spirits by name at the Monroe house. So I don't, I don't get what it was supposed to mean, but just the clear intelligence of saying somebody's name in the room. It's well, a personal thing. Like that's, that's clearly something that can hear me communicating with it and is responding back that I can't see. Now, Brendan, didn't that freak you out that they named you? Cause I would be, I would be worried if they knew my name. That's what I felt like. You know what? Now it's more exciting to hear it. Okay. The first time that I ever heard it was at that place that I told you mentioned earlier, the Twin City Opera House. Me and another investigator were down in the basement. We had just oh, finished break- a public event. Go ahead. What did you say? You were breaking up a little bit. Go ahead. Oh, I was saying we were at this – we just got finished at this public event at the Twin City Opera House. And me and this other investigator were down there cleaning stuff up. And we just said, hey, you know, while we're down here, let's do a quick EVP session or whatever. So the investigator says, hey, it's Marty and Brendan. We're down here all the time. I'm sure you know us by now. And you hear me kind of shift in the chair, and all of a sudden this voice goes, Brendan, like clear as day. We didn't hear it. I didn't hear it till I was at home a week later sitting in a dark room with my headphones on in front of a computer screen, and I hear that, and I was like, oh, my God. I got wow. chilled, you know, goosebumps all over my body. Like, that was the first time I ever heard my name from something that I know wasn't there. But, you know, there was only two of us in the room, and it clearly wasn't the guy talking, and it clearly wasn't me. So that first time I heard my voice, yeah. But any time after that, now I get excited. I'm like, okay, it, 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 it's, it's communicating with me. And I have theories on that, too, that not every place that you go it might not be that spirit from that place communicating with you. I think that once you open that door, I think if there's somebody on the other side and they really want to get your attention, I think that they'll follow you around from place to place till they get your attention. Well, how do you feel about that? You know, I just, I got used to it by now. You know, you come home from some places and you'll see shadow activity or you know something there is there for a little bit. You know, I've been sitting at home watching TV and I'll see something cross in front of like the doorway or something like that out of the corner of my eye. You know, and yeah. then after a week or two it goes away, you don't see it again. But, you know, I've had it happen occasionally and I think that it's just part of the whole, you know, like I said, you 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 open that door you know, and somebody, if somebody really wants to communicate with you, then, then they're going to do everything in their power to communicate with you. Well, how are you if, protecting yourself? If this happens to be a negativity uh, spirit or something like that, how are you protecting yourself from uh, them getting to you? Well, I, uh, I tell people this all the time. Like when, the more that you investigate, the more that you're in these places where the energy shift is different. I mean, your body is that first tool. Your body is that first instrument that will pick up a change in any, any kind of environment. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's proven science. So I always tell people to gauge themselves when they walk into a place, but what my team tends to do on a lot of times, both individually and together is if we know we're going to some place where it's supposedly a dark entity there or something has happened to people in the past, we will take, precautions we'll wear you know medals blessed medals and we'll say prayers before we go into a place and i always tell people leave all your shit at the door 
whatever's going on in your life, put up that barrier and walk in there and act like everything's hunky-dory. Because you're here to do, you know, the sole purpose is we're here to investigate, and that's what we want to do. We don't want to give it anything to feed off of. So, you know, I take proper steps before. Like, lately, I've been doing a lot of, like, meditating and stuff before I go into a place. Just because I've had a lot of stuff recently in my life that's kind of, you know, been messed up and, you know, had me depressed and everything like that. But I've, you know, started meditating a little bit just to clear any kind of stuff that's in my mind. And I always do pray before I go into a location, even if I know there's something, you know, even if there's not something dark there. But at the end of the day, we go into these places. You don't know what you're messing with. You don't know who it is. You know, a little girl, she could say she's a little girl named Sally. She might not be a little girl named Sally. You know, yeah. you don't know. You have no idea. Nobody knows. So it's good to take precaution in, in, in any event, anything that you do. I'm glad you're doing that because uh, I just can't do it. I don't intentionally go into any haunted place because they seem to come to me, so I don't see how I could go to them. You know, I think I'd be in trouble, so... You know, I'm just afraid. Everybody's different with that. So, you know, like I said, we have, you know, the girls on our team, though, after that, you know, we have uh, one one of the girls on our team. She's, she's one of the best people I know on the face of the planet, Terry Long. And she uh, she runs uh, the all the paranormal events at a place that we, we host. We're the home team at the Old Lincoln County Jail in Newark, Ohio. And, uh, yeah, there's some stuff there that's nice, and there's some stuff there that's mean. And she's there all the time, but she will always make sure that hey, when we walk outside, we're all going to say this prayer. And she makes us all stand in a circle and hold hands, and we all say the prayer together, you know. And then after the prayer is done, we say, "I came here alone. I leave here alone." So you know, we we're really you know we're really serious about protecting ourselves because we're we at the end of the day too, we're looking out for each other. And even during investigations, if somebody's not acting right or whatever, we quickly say, okay, let's go. We're going outside. We're going to get some fresh air. We're going to take a break, you know, so. Yeah, because some of this stuff can be subtle, you know. You don't realize it until somebody's uh, acting strange or, you know, something's happening anyway. it's uh, So let's say, uh, to be specific, what uh, – because you went to the Waverly Hills Sanitarium. And uh, that is such a sad place. And I, I wonder what you picked up over that. Well, I've been there twice. And the first time I went there, it was really, really active. And, you know, yeah, you think about the history of that place. 63,000 people are reported to have died there of tuberculosis. And the way that the, the hospital was built, it was built on a, like a bat wing shape. And the top floor is like a... Uh, well, each floor has it. They have an open area that was supposed to be, it was all open, this thing. And they believe that the, the breeze, you know, the fresh air, whatever, was supposed to help with, with the tuberculosis uh, disease. And they also did a lot of, like, you would say, I guess, inhumane surgeries nowadays because where we are with modern science and modern medicine, but these people didn't know what this, I mean, they, they didn't know what, what it was, you know, all these people were getting this plague and it was killing thousands and thousands of people. So they did all these, these surgeries that they thought might help. And it ended up killing more people than, than helping, you know, so you can say it's barbaric or whatever, but at the time, you know, it was, they thought they were saving lives. 
But the horror of some of these surgeries that these people had to go through, you know, it must have been so difficult. And, you know, once you basically got this disease, you were put in this hospital and you basically just waited there to die. And some people left and were cured because they they were able to find a cure for this disease. But, you know, whole families would have to come to this hospital. So there was children there and there was a whole floor just for children where, you know, they they would have – classrooms and that kind of stuff set up for the kids and then they would go down and see their parents who were sick in bed you know so there was just a whole array of emotions and one of the saddest stories i think that i know from waverly hills it's not like an individual personal story of a family it's just the whole death tunnel i mean i'm sure everybody's heard of the death tunnel it's this long 500 foot tunnel that's on a ramp and they had like a trolley car that would come all the way up on a train like on a little you know and it would go all the way up to the top toward the hospital from the bottom where the train would come in and then on the other side was stairs and that's where the employees would walk up and they used to use this to cart supplies and stuff up to the hospital well this epidemic was so deadly that it it just got to the point where so many people were dying daily that they had to they had to find a way to just to get rid of the bodies without bringing down the morale of the patients you know so what they would do is they would sneak the bodies down to this death tunnel so, you know, people wouldn't have to see hearses and, you know, the carriages pulling out front every day to take, the like, 50, 60, 70 people that were dying a day and, like, lower the morale of the patients. So they ended up using this tunnel system, this death, this, this tunnel as a way to cart out the dead. And imagine being that doctor or nurse having to walk into work every day just seeing bodies come down, you know. I mean, that would have to destroy your morale, too. And uh, yeah. it's just sad to think about that, you know, back then, if you got something like that, you know, we're fortunate today that we have the medicine we have, but you got something like that, you, you were like, it was a waiting game, you know? And yeah. it's just, it was sad. So, you know, we go there and we investigate and the array of EVPs we got were all different. You know, there were supposed to be kids there. We got little kids telling us hi. We heard help. We heard uh, we got some really good EVPs of some elderly women, like saying, "Oh, come into my home, sweetie," and stuff like that. Like, so it was an array of EVPs and and from all different types of people with different emotional responses. You know what I mean? Like, I remember we went up to the fourth floor, which is supposed to be one of the most active floors, and we get up there and. I yell for the little kid. There's supposed to be this little kid, Timmy, that that haunts the building. And I went up there and I yell, hey, Timmy, are you up here? And me and the two other ladies I was with heard this old woman yell, help. It was like a blood-curdling, like, help. But you could tell it was an older woman. And, uh, it like, you know, your hair stands up on the back of your neck, like, oh, my God, did I just really hear that? You know, and and it was like, it was a, a plea for help. Like, it wasn't just like a help. It was like a, you know. Somebody was in pain. Somebody needed help. And of course, you know, you're taken back a moment and and there's no electricity in the building. You're in pitch black. And, you know, you get that little bit of scaredness in you and you're like, I don't want to walk down the hall by myself, but you honestly want to make sure nobody's in the building. That's really hurt. So, of course, you know, the way the building's laid out is you can walk around down the hallway and you can look all the way through the whole middle section there and see the veranda on the other side. And we both, we walked down either side, you know, to the two ladies were on the one side. I was on the other side. We walked down the whole floor. 
No one was there. Couldn't explain it. But we had a lot of technical problems, too. Like, you know, if you know a lot about tech, everything's digital now. And you shouldn't yeah. get, like, like uh, double exposures on digital cameras. And we were getting all of that kind of stuff. We were getting the uh, digital camcorders would, like, just cut off and it would go to snow like the old TVs used to do when a program was over. Like, you'd see the snow on the TV. Those cameras aren't yeah. supposed to do that. And they, they were doing that quite often. You know, so we had all this, like, you know, the camcorder would be set up and we'd have two guys sitting in the chair and the camcorder would be facing them and it would go to snow and then cut back in. You know, it wouldn't stop recording. It would, like, go to the snow screen and then come back and everything would be normal. We had weird stuff like that. That's and strange. then on the fourth floor, we had a DVR system set up and we had a camera shooting down the hallway. And from out of one room came this black mass right across the hallway right into the next room, right across the hall. It was the craziest thing I ever saw. Just nonchalantly, just right across the hallway, like glided, like smoke just went right across the hallway. It was crazy. Well, you said that you went again and the activity had gotten less? Yeah, yeah. We went a second time and it really wasn't as active. And I don't know if it was the people I was with, you know, because I was with a a kid who really – hadn't been doing it that long and he was just so excited and he just kept talking and talking and talking, you know, and it just kind of like we were trying to listen or whatever, but you know, it was kind of hard to really hear a lot of stuff, but it just didn't feel the same as it did the last time. Mm. And like I said, it could have been because the last time I was there, it was so, you know, the building is gigantic. I mean, just to stand next to it, it's, it's, it's your jaw drops at how big the building is. But you go there for the first time in this big, ominous hospital that you know this has this history of all these people dying. So, of course, your your mental state is like, oh, you know, you're on edge. And then as you go the second time, you kind of know what to expect. So it's a little less intimidating to you. And maybe that could have been why it was less active, because mentally I was more prepared going into it. Yeah, it's but activity-wise, uh, as far as evidence that we caught the second time wasn't nearly as what we caught the first time. I wonder uh, through time will this lesson up and uh, how these spirits are going to be released. You know how they can move on or whatever they are. I don't. I don't really know. It's it's a hard thing to explain. Like you know, it's stuff maybe dissipates after a while, and then certain conditions can bring it back. I don't I I don't have an answer yeah. for that. Hmm. Okay, so so I'm okay, I'm interested in another spot that you have investigated and it's Bob Mackey's music world. And what is going on over there because I've heard some pretty outrageous things uh come out of there. Bobby Mackey's music world is the real deal. And I've been there three I've yeah, I've been there three times and uh you hear all the stories and everything like that, and, and it's 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 a dark place. That basement is everything that they say it is. It's dark. It's creepy. It's like everything you would think of in a horror movie. Like, it's nuts. And I was fortunate enough, and the team that I was with at the time was very fortunate enough that Carl Lawson, who used to be the caretaker there, who's since passed on, you know, he became a good friend of our team. And uh, he of course, was the guy who, you know, the videos out there, they have the exorcism of him on YouTube. 
and was fortunate enough to hear all the inside stories from him personally of the stuff that he experienced there that he you know the history that people like just totally butcher that he knows the history because he worked at that place from the time he was a teenager but even before it was Bobby Mackey you know so it was great to hear that little insight and some of the evidence that we captured the few times that we were there corresponded with some of the stuff Carl had said and he came there the last time I was there Carl showed up and you know, I'm not going to speak ill of the dead or whatever, but Carl had, you know, he had a problem with drinking and he showed up because he found out we were there. He wanted to come. So he came to there, but he was, you know, had been at the bar all night. So he was a little tipsy, so to say, but the activity increased when he showed up. So whatever his spiritual connection to that place was, I mean, it was legitimate. Like it, the activity seemed to spike a lot more when he was in the room with us. And I vividly remember sitting there with him in the uh, bar area and the old founder of our team, who's been, and we, I was camcordering the both of them, and I was looking at them in the dark. I, I had the viewfinder closed, and I seen this ball of light stream up right past Carl. And it was weird, and I, I make note of it in the video. I was like, whoa, and Ed goes, what? And I was like, I just seen this weird, like, bubble-looking ball of light just go right up by you and Carl. And sure enough, we caught it on on camera and it looked like somebody took a little bubble wand and blew a bubble and uh it, he calmly looks at us and says yep i think it's johanna i can feel her and johanna said to be one of the spirits that haunts that place and so he you know he has he had a connection with that place and uh you know they've since since he's passed on i guess they've gotten evps and stuff from him being there and it wouldn't surprise me that he would be there because he did love the building and uh bobby was was nice enough that, you know, Carl loved it so much that he'd worked there when Bobby, you know, took over the building that he hired Carl to be the caretaker and Carl actually lived in the building too. So it wouldn't surprise me one bit that he was there. But uh, stuff you've seen on Ghost Adventures about it, I mean, you know, it's legitimately scary, dark place and it draws you, it It draws you back. And it was like that before uh, Bob Mack. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And they think that, you know, where that was was actually, I'm like 25 minutes away from it right now. It's right across the Ohio River. And uh, I remember hearing the stories of the Latin Quarter, which was a restaurant that was there before. And it was supposedly infiltrated by the mob. And there's supposedly this stairwell that goes to nowhere. And everyone's like, oh, the stairs to nowhere, the stairs to nowhere, which happens to be in that room that that well is in where they say is the portal to hell or whatever. But yeah. Carl said, hey, that ladder there used to be, there used to be a little drop in the floor, like a trap door, where people who owed debts to the mob, they'd bring them back there and drop them through that floor, bring them downstairs. There's a room down in the basement that they call the room of faces because it looks like there's faces all over the wall. And Carl said that used to be the mob beat-up room, and they would take the person in there and beat the crap out of them, you know, and what hold them the down in that basement. It? What was the name of they it, They called said? it the restaurant or the room yeah, that they the, would bring them into. Yeah, the restaurant. The Latin Quarter. The Latin Quarter, okay. Yeah. And they would bring him back in this room called the Room of Faces now because it looks like there's a bunch of faces on the wall. And that would be like their beat-up room. they take people in there and, you know, where's my money? 
where's my money? And they beat the crap out of them. And so it was cool and kind of cool to hear all that insight from a guy who'd been around the area at the time who'd worked there. And, uh, you know, having that kind of insight and having some of the evidence that you capture is, is intriguing because you're getting stuff that you wouldn't think would be there, you know, and we, we, it's weird because we would set the voice recorder down on a pool table and we'd walk out of the building because you try to have a little controlled area for a while and we'd get sound of people playing pool talking while yeah. they're playing pool on the voice recorder. No, no. Hello. Yeah, I'm still here. I was, I was, okay. I was done with that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Sorry. No, that's all right. Uh, yeah, it would be strange if he came back and uh, was doing the same thing because he actually did it for so long. That's what I think uh, hauntings are, is people doing repetitious stuff. Yeah. Poor Carl. That, I hope you, he's know, you, know, you, know, you know what I think is one of the greatest movies to watch if you're into the paranormal? Have you ever seen the movie The Others with Nicole Kidman? Yeah. Well, if you see that movie and how they portray Nicole Kidman's character with her kids, sometimes I honestly think that's how it is. And the movie's old, so I don't care if I'm going to spoil it for people because it's, you know, it's it's an older movie, but basically you find out that they think that their house is haunted while they're living there and come to find out they're the ones haunting the place and then they find that out. You know what I yes. mean? And it's it's just exactly nuts how, how you how yeah, and that's what like I find know. so intriguing about it. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes they don't know. We've gotten EVPs before where you've walked into a room and said hello, and you'll hear a, a voice come over the voice recorder as you're reviewing it. Hello, who's there? Somebody here? You know, and no one else is in that room, but obviously they think someone else is there in their room. They can't see you. They just hear a voice yelling hello, so maybe they think we're haunting them. It's hard to say. For all you know, you could wake up one day. You could have died. You could wake up and just thought you were dreaming and just go about your daily life living, not knowing that you died. You know what I mean? And I honestly think that's how it could be. You just keep living an alternate reality in what you think is your normal life, but you're actually gone. Well, no I, this this question was on my mind, and I had this dream one time about it, that it was like an old western town in the dream, and I was being showed different place, uh, different places, and the, the one that really terrified me, even though it sounds really simple, but this place terrified me, it was a bar, and people were in line to go get a drink at the, from the bartender, right? So they're going to this line, and they get a drink, and they, and they take back the drink from the... Uh, bartender and then by the time they get to the back door they're thirsty again so they get back in line again <laughs> so they That's do this weird. forever it is it was horrible yeah. and then the other part so because I was asking God about purgatory or where the ghosts are because I kind of wanted to know and this is what came up and then there was this house that I went to uh, and I was watching this man sit inside the house he's a young guy and uh, he's he's kind of looked like Elvis Presley. He's kind of that, from that era. So he's sitting there waiting for his family to get home at 5 o'clock. And by 5 o'clock came and gone, he went, oh, my God, they didn't show up again. He said, okay, I'm going to try tomorrow. And he did this forever. 
he kept waiting for his family to come back. And he just so he'd go over there five o'clock every day. So I asked, told God, well, thank you, God. But I was kind of horrified by the bar part of it, you know, but that's what they're doing. They really think, well, they're going to see people go. People have passed on. They've moved on well, and these people haven't. We have, we have a spirit at the old Lincoln County jail and through EVP sessions and everything else, people have come through there getting evidence. Like we've had some full on sessions cause we use the, have you heard of the geo box? Have you seen those at all? No, not really. I'm new, not familiar. Well, it's a new ITC device and it basically takes reverb and radio waves and everything like that. Kind of like the, the ghost box, but it, it, it's much clearer. And it's almost like I picture like this is how I always describe it to people. I picture this room filled with, it's all white. Everybody in there is wearing white. It's all fluorescent lights, And they walk up to a microphone and speak into it. And they take turns because you can hear conversations back and forth between people. It's not, but we've gotten conversations through there. And there's a spirit there named David at the jail. And he says that he's afraid to move on because of the stuff that he's done in his life. Like he's afraid, you know, he can move on, but he's afraid to. So he doesn't want to yet. He's scared of judgment. So I thought that's, that's weird too. Like he has that choice. I think they do have a choice, you know, um, I always thought that, wow. you know, like you said in the beginning of the, the interview, like when people stick around to make sure their family's okay, I think they have that, that choice to be like, okay, uh, I'm going to make sure everyone's okay and everyone gets through this. And then when I feel that everything's okay, then that's when I'm going to go. I mean, it's been, it, it's a story that's been told time and time again. If it's true, we don't know, but it just seems to make sense. Wow. Do you want to give us some updates on some uh, recent um, investigations? Yeah, uh, we just did the Monroe House a couple weeks ago, and that place was actually featured on uh, Nick Groff's new show, Paranormal Lockdown. And yeah, they found some really – I mean, it's a, it's a really dark location. It's a, got a really dark history to it. The the guy who owns it now, him and his wife, like the nicest people in the whole entire world, Eddie and Pam Norris are the, the owners. And he bought the house, him and his wife bought the house like 12 years ago to flip it. And as they started working on it, they started finding weird artifacts in the house like bones and everything else. And he like come to find out that these were human bones. Well, there was all this like ritualistic stuff they found there too. And, uh, Whatever's there is dark, and it's not nice. So we did an investigation a couple weeks ago. I had been there before. I actually did a web uh, TV series with a group called Ectovision Paranormal. They're out of uh, the Cleveland, Ohio area, up north, the northern part of the state. And they filmed an episode there, and they invited me along with them, and I investigated and was one of the cameramen on the episode. But we had a really active night that night, you know, but when we went back there with my team, Project Paranormal, we uh, we got some really like groundbreaking evidence as far like we're still analyzing this stuff. But as far as the EVP, the the intelligent responses we got back, that's the one that I told you earlier. With we got the question that said, "Ask Brendan," you know. Yeah. And it was a pretty active, crazy night, and it, it just you could feel. I mean, the place just did not feel right. And the first time I'd gone there with that team Ectovision. 
I was filming as we were as with the lead guy for the team, Eric was investigating or he was what's the word I'm looking for? He was interviewing uh Eddie and all of a sudden I just I was sitting there with the camera just you know, had the camera on Eric and Eddie and I started getting sick. I just felt really, really nauseous and it was to the point where I was about ready to throw up. So I, I looked at Eric, I was like, I have to go outside. I feel sick and Eddie gets all excited. He's like, That's what happens in that room. Everyone in that room says they get feel like they're gonna get sick. And uh one of the best investigators I know, Jeff Fent, he's a great friend of mine. He went there with George Brown, the guy who invented the geo box, because Jeff built all the housings for these. And they went there yeah. and ran like six or seven geo boxes at the same time. And Jeff like is a really like good investigator. He's not not easily rattled. He goes into the dark rooms by himself. He doesn't care. And he had an experience that happened to him that, you know, made him the same kind of way. He got really sick and to the point where he was like, I, I can't do this. I got to go outside. Like, I can't, I can't be in here. And, you know, it's, it's happened to people time and time again in this room and no one knows what happened up there. There was supposedly a suicide that happened up there in the thirties, but you know, nobody really knows what's there. And it's a, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it makes people, it, it's nauseating. So I think it's a warning that it's something, a poisonous uh, evil or something. Get the heck out of there. Really. I think that's yeah, and it's why not something that you go, you go, you don't go in there every time and get sick. Like it happened one time that time. And that it, I went back in there later on and nothing, nothing bothered me the rest of the night. But this place, mm-hmm. you know, has, everything it's got poltergeist activity the cabinets like in the kitchen open and closed by themselves like we witnessed witnessed it when we were there there's a, there's supposedly a little kid there and uh you know we got a lot of crazy evps wow well but if anybody's interested in checking well if anybody's interested in checking out the web series that i did with them it's uh yeah, the team's called ectovision yeah, Ectovision Paranormal, and it's on YouTube. Just look up their team, Ectovision Paranormal, the Monroe House Haunting, and uh, it'll you can see that episode, and you can see all the flurry of activity that you know we had that night with Ectovision, and it it's crazy. The the intelligent responses we got, it was nuts. So if anybody gets a chance who's listening and wants to check it out, it's on YouTube, Ectovision Paranormal, the mysterious Monroe House Haunting. Okay, well tell us about your show. My my show, I you was just a- on. Uh, oh, the podcast, the monthly. It's called Dark of the Night podcast, and uh, I basically focus on not just hauntings, but you know all realms of the paranormal. I'm actually in the middle of working on an episode right now about the Mothman. But oh, I started yeah, that. Just, I started that uh, a few months ago. Like I said, I've been having a lot of stuff happen in my life recently, so I kind of just. I put off a couple episodes, but I'm in the process of getting ready to put a new one out. It's all about the Mothman. And, uh, you know, I, I finally read John Kill's book, The Mothman Prophecies, and it just blows my mind that the stuff that this guy, like, the theories this guy came up with, like, he wasn't, people thought he was a, you know, a weirdo, but he, you know, I think he hit the nail on the head with a lot of stuff. But, you know, I, I've done radio shows before. Uh, I was on a team where we had our own radio show for a couple of years. So it's something I wanted to get back into doing. And I figured it'd be more easier just to do like a monthly podcast where I can work on it 
and just put it out and not have to like worry about doing like a weekly show or anything like that. But, um, yeah. So, I mean, you can, that's on uh, Spreaker.com and it's darker than I podcast. Oh, good. Cause you know, that's my favorite uh, crypto crypto story is Mothman. It's my absolute favorite. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's an interesting case. And, uh, it, it wasn't just the moth man that was there. I mean, it was a whole flap era area with, you know, UFOs and, these weird creatures, like these weird, weird, like, I don't want to say aliens because we don't really know what they were, but, you know, people who were just out of place, you know, that they just didn't seem like they belonged in that area. So it's, it's, it was a whole weird, weird thing. It is very strange. So what do you have coming up? So you have the Mothman coming up and do you have any other, uh, you going to any conferences or what's up with you? Uh, no, we just, our team just did a conference, uh, it was a, a, a fundraiser for multiple sclerosis. My friend, uh, Ray, everybody calls him the goose, but he just, he had a, a fundraiser last month and it, you know, he, we raised a lot of money. It was pretty good time. Michelle, Bell, uh, Bell NJ was there and there was a bunch of great people there. You know, those are always fun to go to cons and meet people and, and, uh, you know, see old friends and family and, and so we just did that. We really we're kind of in a hiatus right now with as far as doing anything. We've all kind of taken a break because we hit it so hard this year. And my yeah. friend Terry that I talked about before, she she's doing a they do a, a thing called the Jail of Terror at the Old Licking County Jail. It's like an actual haunted house. Like they, you know, have the props set up and everything and she spearheads that. So they're doing that through October to the beginning of November. And then after that, we're going to start investigating a couple more places before the end of the year so that's kind of where we're at now as far as my team but you know we're we're always looking for residential cases if people need help you know we we put those in the forefront of everything because that's that's mainly why we formed this team is to help people in their homes and businesses stuff that they can't understand so that's like you know that's our bread and butter right there we don't you know we don't charge money for that kind of stuff you can't charge money for that kind of stuff, but you know, that's, you know, what to do. We'd love to help people. Where can they reach you for that? Uh, you can visit us on Facebook. It's project paranormal research society. We recently just shut down our website we had because we're getting ready to rebuild a new one. But, uh, you can also, you can also reach out to us on Facebook. You can reach out to us on Twitter at PPRS 16 and you can email me at pprs16 at gmail.com. Good. Thank you. Thank you, Brendan. I, I wish you and your family all the best that you, uh, you know, whatever you've been going through also that you pass through that and uh, get to the other side. Cause I think we all have a season of that and it's part of our maturity actually. When the crap hits the yep. fan, we find out about ourselves. We find out how strong we are and we get rid of the old stuff and, Moving to some new stuff. I swear I've had about five lives of this, you know. So I'm going on yeah. to the uh, the next phase of retirement. So I'll be at starting to go to the conferences like everybody else. So, um, you know, I work as a counselor for the uh, uh, federal uh, bureau prison, and I have an office out here in the, in the wood in Inglewood. And uh, a shout out to all my people out there. And uh, you know what, just doing, fighting the good fight and doing the good positive stuff, you know, that's just going to carry us through. 
you know, and uh, it sounds like you're doing a lot of good and that you care about people. And if they do have hauntings and uh, issues, please get a hold of Brendan and his team. And uh, Brendan, I want to thank you so much for being on our show tonight. And I wish you guys all the best in Ohio. The state's nice and uh, you have a beautiful winter and uh, that you and your family are very prosperous. And I wish you all the happiness in the world. Yeah, I thank, I appreciate you for having me on the show. I really do. Anytime. So if you want to come on and um, talk about a new thing you're on or anything, and I'd love to hear all about the Mothman thing too. And Anyway, so get a hold of me anytime you want to be on. I'm going to have you on. Okay. I appreciate it. Thank you. Nice meeting you, Brendan. Take care of yourself. You too. Thanks. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Happy trails. So I want to thank uh, Brendan Shea for being on the show. And remember, you can get a hold of him on Facebook and uh, re-listen to the ending of this so uh, that you can actually get help from the guy. He sounds like a wonderful, sincere person to me. And it's been a pleasure having Brendan Shea on our show. Uh, it's a very interesting. You know, it always gets me thinking, what's really uh, all of this mean and how does it all go together? And uh I don't know. I'm I get in shock, and then uh, I try to figure it out. And uh, you know, in the way, I think we'll all help each other find out the answers to all these mysteries. And uh, of course, I love a mystery. So follow the links to contact me, or you can leave a message if you'd like to be part of our show for general help and assistance. And I want to thank our guest again, Brendan Shea, for all his help and all his interest in uh, helping the world. And the show is archived, so you can listen to it again. Anytime you feel like it, and remember to tell your friends to come back, and I'll be announcing our next show soon. And the paranormal and the secret of the place of the unheard may be heard. And please recommend us to your friends. And God bless everybody. May your best dreams come true, and true love live in your heart. God bless you all, and take care. <laughs>